Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, part two of our NFL prep. Uh, We have uh, one of the best friends of the pod, uh, our very first uh, international guest, our very first football guest. Uh, And and, uh, I think... This uh, this might break set a new record for uh, most guest appearances uh, ever on the deep dive. Uh, we are truly the so, Iron Man of the deep dive. Truly the Iron Man. We are so lucky, Andy. We are so lucky that uh, we get to pick the brain of one of the sharpest handicapping minds in the NFL space, bar none. Uh, the one and only Suma, calling in late at night from Germany. Uh, Suma, welcome to the deep dive. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me on again. Oh, it, it's our pleasure. Believe me, uh, any time that uh, you make time for us to uh, to talk football is a good day in my book. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks for staying up late. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's 11, almost 11 It's o'clock. almost 11 there. So. Yeah. It gets a so, little tricky when we deal with these international uh, handicappers. <laughs> Keep dive worldwide. If you don't already know, uh, if you don't already know, you can follow Suma at S-U-U-M-A-810 on Twitter. Uh, he has long been one of the uh, most, um, uh, you know, most impactful and market shaping voices uh, in the kind of going back to even the days of like covers forums. I think Suma has always made a mark in terms of the knowledge he brings to the NFL handicapping space. Uh, and, um, you know, if, if you want to eat a W this, uh, (laughs) this season, if you want to eat a W this season, betting in the futures market, betting on the win totals, then, uh, you absolutely have to follow, uh, Suma with the W. So, uh, get, uh, get it, get, get yourself involved here. He, um, Suma, you kind of started, uh, your own whole, uh, web space to, to focus on NFL handicapping and whatnot, right? Yes, absolutely right. Do you have uh, any uh, any other interesting projects going on? Ah, yeah, good that you ask. <laughs> uh, tomorrow I'm going to release my first ever ebook. It's called uh, Sumas NFL Preview 2018, and yeah, I'm super with, pumped. Come up with the name. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've I've got a great editor. Uh, his name is Andy. He's also on the podcast right now, and um, <laughs> uh, just a little inside story. Um, a couple of days ago, um, I was sending Andy some some text to read on, and I think I got a I got a response within two minutes, and. He was like, yeah, but I got to scan through it later again because I'm driving. <laughs> so he's editing while he's driving a car. So he's very, very much the, the GOAT editor. Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, season preview, it's going to be about, I think, 270 pages. Oh, my goodness. Are, Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been writing for the last uh, three months, I guess. And um, there will be a team preview for each of the 32 teams um, with recaps of 2017, um, deep dive into the starting formations on offense and defense. 
I address coaching, coaching tendencies, and uh, I give my predictions for the 2018 season. And uh, I think there are like, um, yeah, so I give a prediction for each team. And I think I have like 13 uh, leans on season win totals where I think um, there's a, a huge difference to my project projection and the market opinion at the moment. Oh, that's great. Uh, so first of all, I got to give you huge credit. Uh, you're the first author we've had on the deep dive, uh, as far <laughs> as I know. Um, and it takes, I mean, it takes a heck of a lot of, uh, a heck of a lot of balls to try to publish a book, not in your first language. Uh, you're natively German speaking, <laughs> right? And you wrote yes. this whole book in English. Yes. Unbelievable. That's so great. And, uh, and if I had to add to that, uh, just, you know, admiration, I mean, this is, it's very, very, very cool that you went to the, the, uh, you know, you put all the effort in to come up with almost a 300 page book about the NFL season. I can't wait to read it personally. I'm going to definitely check it out. Where, where can people find it if they also want to check it out? Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to tweet it out tomorrow. Uh, you can either go to my Twitter channel, like you said, S U U. MA810, or you go straight up to uh, suma.eu, and there is going to be a, a section called ebooks, and there you can purchase it and immediately download it. It's going to be a PDF file. I love it. How much of, uh, did you, did you kind of, I guess I'll say this just as a general criticism of some of the other uh, products that were out there, like the narrative kind of discussing the stuff that you mentioned, like talking about like, uh, you know, uh, team ten coaching tendencies, especially, oh my gosh, that's gotta be so valuable. And, uh, kind of what went wrong or what went right in 2017 and then the outlook for 2018, uh, tying all that together into a narrative, um, I know that's something that you're particularly good at and I, I can't wait to see what you came up with, but, uh, uh, did you kind of focus on that for every team preview chapter as opposed to putting lots of charts and graphs and tables and stuff in there, or is it kind of a mix? Because overall, like, you know, the other ones I've seen like football outsiders and Warren Sharps and stuff, I didn't get a whole heck of a lot of usefulness out of the tables and plots and stuff. I mean, they were nice eye candy and kind of felt like marketing material more than anything else. Um, but the narrative descriptions, especially the football outsider stuff, I thought was really valuable. Is that basically kind of your approach in terms of putting this together? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty much trying to put everything together. Um, at the beginning of each team chapter, there's going to be a uh, table with data like um, current Super Bowl odds, conference odds, division odds, um, win totals from three major offshore books. Um, then there's a lo whole lot of stuff of um, efficiency rankings um, from uh, from the last season. And then I have my expected scoring versus actual scoring table where I pretty much um, check out the pass efficiency for each team uh, last season. And I'm going to compare um, how that turned out into actual scorings to find some uh, regression indicators. Um, then I have my regression toolbooks, uh, toolbox. There you can find stuff like um, close games differential, Pythagorean, and estimated wins, um, adjusted games lost for injuries from football outsiders, turnover differential and stuff. And um, the last category is um, uh, the schedule for 2018. And I've put in there my own schedule predictions uh, derived from my power rating. And also the um, schedule prediction from the sharpest offshore book out there, Pinnacle Sports. 
and uh, I've gone through all the their win totals and basically calculated what kind of uh, what strength of schedule you, uh, they are predicting or the markets are predicting for each team based on the win totals and uh, and this is followed by um, like six to nine pages per team in text form where or I go like through 15 everything. Fifteen if it's the Jets. <laughs> okay. Somebody somebody wrote a lot about the Jets. Oh, this yeah. is this is this sometimes sounds like, I've lost myself. This sounds like tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be Christmas in August. I cannot wait to get my hand. This sounds. It sounds like such a valuable handicapping resource. And I, I'm not just saying this because you're a guest on the pod. Like I've always, every year, I'm like, man, I wish there was like a reference that really did a good job of kind of documenting win totals from across you know various books, uh, you know preseason odds and things like that. Like it's just a pain in the ass to go back through blogs and try to track that stuff down. So having that all in one place will be valuable in and of itself on top of all the other insight that you're going to provide into this. Uh, Andy, since you, I can't, uh, I can't wait to read it either. Yeah. <laughs> you are the editor. <laughs> I want to get a review. Can I, can I get a, uh, kind of, a, I haven't a, seen a, the a charts list. and stuff. I'm just going through and uh, trying to pull out some of the weird things. German people say, what was the process? Because there are some things that, uh, Mr. Zuma will say that just don't, you know, they don't quite sound 100% right in English. And you just, those are the little things you got to fix. All the stats and stuff were great. But maybe, maybe this isn't really a saying. And maybe this isn't even a saying in Germany. But you wrote about, uh, I don't know if it was a player or a coach, but the fit was right in a certain situation. And you wrote like an ass on a bucket. Or something, her ass <laughs> on a stool, and I'm like, but that's, we're keeping that. That's just, it yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Maybe, that maybe that's great. a, uh, maybe that's a good uh, German saying. That is awesome. I love it. Like an ass on a bucket. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, okay, well, let's move on. This is uh, again. This is gonna be like Christmas in August. Getting this reference tomorrow. I cannot wait. Uh, and uh, be sure to check out Suma. I mean, you know, we'll retweet the the links that you can find and, and track down this ebook if you're inclined as well um and uh you guys ready to deep dive oh, oh yeah all right okay so suma uh we we chat a lot with you uh because andy is a vikings fan and uh because i am completely impartial and i love all 32 teams equally uh we end up talking mm-hmm. a lot about the nfc north when we're chatting with you uh so we figured okay this would this would be the ideal podcast to have suma come on to help help us uh you know, handicap the NFC North, uh, help, you know, help keep, keep Andy in line a little bit with expectations regarding the Vikings. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's, that's an, that's a no brainer. Uh, but we want you to pick, uh, pick at, at randomly, just go ahead and pick a, an AFC, uh, division that we can handicap second. What's, uh, any of them interest you? We did, uh, we did the AFC. Yeah. We Don't did pick the, the West. Yeah. We did the AFC yeah, West yesterday. So skip that one. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk about the AFC South because there is a very intriguing season win total to address. And I think that would be pretty cool to talk about. Okay. AFC South. You got it. Boom. You got it. Um, dealer's choice, AFC South for the second conference. So, uh, so join us today as we break down the NFC North and the AFC South. Um, I loved how we did it yesterday, uh, Andy, where we went, uh, down via, uh, the odds for the, um, you know, for the first of the divisions. So, uh, let's take a look at the odds in the, uh, NFC North. 
Um, who does an efficient market think is the best team? <laughs> the division champion Minnesota Vikings return huh. this year as we plus three of us. Yes, they are plus one thirty to repeat as champions of the NFC North. Uh, how much value is there in this line, Andy? Zero. You don't oh. want to pay that. I don't. Oh, I wouldn't bet okay. it. Okay. I don't think. I don't think I could bet that. Um, I don't think there's value in the Super Bowl line at this point, as far as it's come down. I, I do have some Vikings fourteen to one from earlier, but yeah, that's uh, w- what is it at now? Closer to. I'm seeing thirteen to one on five times, and Pinnacle Pinnacle has ten or eleven to one. Yeah, ten. It's a ten. It's oh, there's thirteen right now. I guess it did pop up a little more. It it went down hard for a bit, and then it came back. So I got fourteen. I'm not in love with it, but I needed to bet it. Pre cousins, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. always makes it always makes my card. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do think uh, there could be a little value on maybe. Oh geez, to make the playoffs is minus two twenty five. Yeah, let's just skip wow. the Vikings. Wow. Well, no. Let me. Well, I got a couple angles I want to talk about here. So let's. No, let's, no. Let's, yeah, let's, we're not going to skip dig, them for real. Yeah, let's let's dig in. Uh, the Vikings were champs last year. Uh, they we were actually high on the Vikings heading into loud. That was maybe one of the handful of things we got right Usually. in our season previews last year. Uh, but we were we were I think we got them in around plus two hundred or something like that. The Packers were huge favorites. It really came down to just Aaron Rodgers getting injured really opened the door wide open for the Vikings to seize control of that division. Uh, the Vikings defense last year was absolutely spectacular. Uh, they won. They had a tough schedule. They won some clutch games. They played amazingly well at home. Uh, and, uh, you know, short of a collapse in the uh, NFC championship game, they were, you know, among the best teams, if not the best team in the NFC that we saw play last year. Um, that said, Suma, how many wins is it going to take to, uh, to win the NFC North this year? Because the NFC North looks stacked compared to last year. Absolutely. I think it's going to be the most competitive division. And I have the Packers as the number one team at my mean projection for them is 10.5 wins. So okay. I think you is, you are going to need 11 to 5 to win okay. the NFC North. Excellent. Uh, Andy, yeah, does that sound right to you? 11 con- wins? I, his connection's not good. I didn't hear any of that. Um, I agree. I'm going to assume we <laughs> said the Vikings win. I can agree with that. That's good. Um, yeah, I... I, I think that's fair. Everything you said is fair. Uh, Rogers coming back. Rogers with if if Cobb's healthy and Jimmy Graham acclimates himself to the offense, it's going to be tough. I guess should we just should we just kind of talk about the Packers and the Vikings as one because they're well. No, I, mean, are, I think they, they kind of go together here because they kind of do. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you can get value on the other teams to win the division. The odds are indicative of that i mean you might be able to take a long shot if you really think uh the lions can get through their their, their schedule is not the worst thing in the world right now but uh if you yeah if you want to bet on someone to win this division there's not big numbers 132 for the vikes 153 for the packers and the vikings have a first place a first place schedule it's a tough schedule uh if kirk cousins continues to be bad under pressure with that offensive line, it could get a little dicey. I don't, I don't see the Vikings repeating their win total from last year. 
They will win. Thirteen were were they thirteen and three? Yeah, that's that's not happening. Ten, eleven, possibly less. It could they could be a nine win team, and in the NFC, they're nine nine won't get you a wild card. No, no, I agree with that. There's a lot of good teams. There'll be there'll be some ten win teams that might not make the playoffs. So. It's going to be tough for me to back them beyond my homer bet as far as putting them in for Super Bowl champs right now. Uh, I see other value in the division outside of them right now, and I will probably stay away from them as far as you know anything winning the division. The win total I don't love either, but I'm certainly not leaning under just because a really, really good defense can keep you in almost any game. I don't see a strong lean on the under either. Interesting. Uh, so Suma, they, uh, the Vikings won 13 games last season. Uh, that way exceeded expectations. Uh, I think, uh, even assuming Sam Bradford was going to play 16 games, I think we were considering, you know, 10, 11 wins for the Vikings would be a great season. They win 13. Uh, did they overperform uh, the metrics as you look at them? Um, I think their metrics have been outstanding, but I think they still got a little bit lucky because they went five and two in close games. Uh, their Pythagorean win expectations was below 12. And I think the Rogers injury pretty much um, mirrors this to a, to a far degree because I think with Rogers, they go 12 and four. Can we agree on that? I think yeah, um, I they could have beaten them at Minnesota, but I th- we, sh- we should just assume uh, the Packers would have won at Lambeau. So I think 12-4 um, would have been a very fair record for the Vikings last year. Okay. Interesting. Um, and there, there was, I mean, if you remember the end of the year, Whale, we were a little worried about the Packers the, with Rodgers coming back, just the way the division, or the way the wild card was lining up, they weren't out of it. And there was a there was this nightmare scenario where Green Bay rattles off a couple wins, a couple other things go wrong for other teams, and the Packers end up in the playoffs with Rodgers. Like, we were we were terrified yeah. of them then, so we should be equally terrified of them now coming back healthy. Yeah. He's looked decent in camp. They've had a couple a uh, couple problems, but that that is the I think the Vikings season is a big part of it is Aaron Rodgers coming back. Yeah, the, you, know, um, you got a tough schedule, and you got a uh, the greatest quarterback in the league coming back in your division. Okay, so hang on though a second, because last year they started out two and two. Uh, one of the losses was the first game they threw Case Keenum in there after Sam Bradford was a surprise scratch week two at Pittsburgh. Uh, the other loss was a <clears throat> was a one that I felt like they should have won that game against the Lions. It was like some fluky turnover luck that really prevented them from winning at home against the Lions week four. They sit there at two and two. We're looking at the rest of the schedule. There were some tough games coming up, and I was like, man, maybe this team doesn't have it. Uh, They go on and rack off eight straight wins, including wins against the Rams, against the Falcons. Uh, At at Lions on Thanksgiving, they got beautiful. They got revenge. Um, you know, they beat the Packers, as we mentioned, where Aaron Rodgers went out. They beat the Ravens convincingly. Uh, what what really, you know, I, I'm i having a tough time trying to figure out if 13 wins or 12 wins even, you know, why why are we expecting this team to give back two or three this year? Like, why is 10 their, their more, most likely expectation, Suma? Uh, I think the biggest issue is going to be that 
let me start with Rick Spielman. I think Rick Spielman is a phenomenal general manager. He has done tremendous things, extending all those contracts. Very good guy. But I think he's completely messing up this offensive line situation. And since 2010, there have been three quarterbacks who posted a positive DVOA under pressure over a whole season. And one of them was Case Keenum in 2017. Wow. And the the Vikings gave up a pressure rate of 36% last year. So on 36% of the snaps, Keenum saw pressure. And he was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure since 2010. The other uh, One of the other guys um, was Tom Brady last year. So I think the, the offense completely peaked because Keenan was so awesome under pressure with a lot of magical um, magical, uh, ta- magical stuff, evading pressure and so on. And um, now we are looking at an offensive line that lost Joe Berger, that has um, center Pat Elfline coming off a ankle surgery. And Nick Easton is currently yeah, heading for too. a... Yeah, ankle surgery too. And uh, Nick Easton, the left guard, is currently heading for a um, second opinion on his neck injury. Probably so, IR for him. Yeah. So this offensive line is hands down bottom five material in the league. And now you get a quarterback who I'm not very high on. I have never been very high on Kirk Cousins. And I think he's going to be a significant downgrade when it comes to under pressure. And he's going to be under pressure a lot next year with this offensive line. And you have a first-year play corner in John DeFilippo. And I don't think this is going to be... I mean, many people just say, ah, no, they got Kirk Cousins and they are going to be a better offense. I think they are going to be a worse offense because Kirk Cousins with a first-year play caller behind this offensive line, I don't see how it is going to work. And then you also got the crazy first-play schedule with... Um, like they're going to play against the Saints who are on crazy revenge after the, after that miracle. They're going to Philly again. And I don't really see how they are going to survive this with Kirk Cousins behind this offensive line. Okay. That's a very, very strong point. I can totally concede that the Vikings, uh, having gone 5-1 and one in division last year, is going to be difficult, nay, impossible to repeat. Uh, the Bears are better. The Packers will have Aaron Rodgers likely in both of their tilts. Uh, and um, the Lions, I think, are, you know, people are sleeping on how how good this roster is in Detroit. Um, so I would expect some regression for sure in division record. Um, and your point is pretty strong about Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, under pressure could be a huge question mark. Um, Andy, do you see Cousins as an upgrade uh, this season or over the three years they have him signed over Case Keenum last year? Or do you think, I mean, yeah, we talked about this a little yesterday with the Keenum, how I was just holding my breath with him all the time. I think that, you know, I love stats. I, I do love, I love some of the stats we can spit out on some of these, but I feel like Keenum's pressures numbers are just a little possibly tilted due to his receivers. Like they bailed him out. He was great at avoiding sacks, but he made some very questionable throws. 
I think I think it shows. I think that number's a little slanted, and I mean that doesn't change much about Kia. You know, you have a, a larger sample size on Cousins. He wasn't great against pressure. They have a bad line. I think the only thing you could spin that with is hopefully, you know, Filippo sees these things, understands these things, knows what he's working with, and schemes to their schemes to their strengths. They're going to have to run screens. They're going to have to run you know, bubble screens, the wideouts. They're going to have to run some shorts, some short, uh, you know, little little three-step drops, some slants, things like that where he's not sitting back there seven steps. He's not sitting back there waiting for things to develop because that might not go well. So I mean, that's kind of a wait-and-see thing. I, it's, at this point in the year, we don't know what the game plan is for the offense. That's, that will be what I'm looking for as far as silver lining for the Vikings to – get you know get ahead and stay ahead of the Packers this year interesting uh okay let me I'm, I'm just trying to be as positive as possible about the Vikings because in the back of my head I'm still like this defense is is the real deal uh I want to say the way they got and, yeah and that, that is the other thing we didn't even I didn't even mention that we were so Let's, stuck on the offense the defense is world-class there's yeah. not a hole they're gonna keep you in games they're gonna force turnovers they're gonna they're going to make it to Kirk Cousins scoring 20, 20 to 20, you know, three points is probably a win. Right. They're not going to give up 24 point games. The, more than likely, it'll be a very low scoring uh, defensive effort again. And if they can keep up anywhere near the historic rates of their third down conversion defense, it's, it's going to be a big problem for for other teams to score on them. It's like we talked yesterday with the Falcons. The Falcons only allowed 14 to the Vikings and didn't even cover the spread as an underdog. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, okay, so let me let me go deep, deeper on the defense. Uh, you mentioned the turnovers. Yeah, they turned the ball over. Uh, they created, what, 23, something like that, 23 turnovers. Uh, they no, did 19. not. 19? Okay, so it wasn't even, it really wasn't even that many. Uh, and they only no, they, had what they actually, one? They had one return there, for a touchdown. They only had one of them. One interception return for a touchdown. No fumbles returned for a touchdown. Uh, like I can see that with the defense this good, this talented at all three levels, uh, you know, it, it's you could have games where they literally carry the team with some defensive scores and some some clutch turnovers. Uh, unless this is unless these guys for whatever reason just don't have a, a knack a nose for the end zone on defense. I don't know, um, but you know I think there's room for you know the defense to do a little bit more in terms of scoring points over the course of the season. Uh, and you know this is not a fool's gold defense. They are as good as advertised, and I say that because they they. Got it done last year by absolutely shutting other teams down, especially on third down. Do you think that, Suma, do you think that their otherworldly third down uh, conversion on defense, their prevention of conversions on third downs, uh, is that sustainable or would we expect some regression there? I think uh, we will see some regression, but I still think they're going to be pretty fine next year. Um, one concern for me is their, um, their injuries. Uh, last year, they ranked uh, first in adjusted games lost. They lost 4.9 games to injury or suspension. Um, this is like you lose Linville Joseph for five games. So everyone was just healthy. And um, according to Football Outsiders, um, teams who rank 
number one, uh, you um, drop like seven places per average. So I think we are likely going to see you one or two more injuries next year. And they're going to play a very tough schedule, in my opinion. I have their schedule ranked fifth, their defensive schedule. And that's including the AFC East, the mighty uh, AFC East. So I think <laughs> <laughs> last year they ranked number one in scoring with 15.1 points per game. But I think we are going to see some regression. But I still believe they are going to be a top five, top seven defense easily. But I think we are going to see a little bit of regression on injuries, a little bit of regression on third downs. And I think there are going to be some games where Cousins maybe has to score more than 20 points. That's my only concern, but I'm still seeing a top five caliber defense. I love this. Okay. All right. Well, let's put a pin on Minnesota for right now. We'll come back to them as we kind of recap the whole NFC North. Uh, and let's talk about the number two team here at plus 150 in Green Bay Packers. Um, Suma, I think we're going to have a little bit of uh, – I'm going to challenge you a little bit here on the Packers. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's sort of assumed – that Aaron Rodgers will roll out there week one against Chicago and be Aaron Rodgers of two, three, four years ago. Uh, he sustained, as we know, a broken collarbone, missed half the season last year, uh, and you know comes back presumably angry, healthy, focused, trying to earn a $200 million contract. Um, <laughs> all that said, he's getting up there. He's getting up there in age. Aaron Rodgers could be 34. He turns uh, he turns 34 in season this year. You know, we with the the statistics show quarterbacks after age 32 start to see a regression. Uh, granted, you know, we didn't see it with Tom Brady and maybe Aaron Rodgers is of the, you know, of the stra in the stratosphere of great quarterbacks. And so we don't really see it with him. Uh, but is there any chance that Aaron Rodgers isn't the Aaron Rodgers of old this season? I, I think. Yeah, he's 30, 34, and but it's so tough to predict any kind of regression for him. I mean, last year, um, through five weeks before his injury, he was on pace for 68% completions, 42 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and I think eight uh, yards per pass attempt, per net yards per attempt. So those stats through five weeks were like Aaron Rodgers' top two quarterback in the league. And I think he came back from a clavicle, from a broken clavicle in 2013 or 14. And he just dropped an MVP caliber season. So for me, it's very tough to predict Aaron Rodgers to, to regress or to be kind of worse than in recent years because he has yeah, some nice toys on offense. Interesting. Andy, can you throw some cold water on Aaron Rodgers, or do you think he's going to put up a season this year that's worthy of $200 million? Oh, let's talk the same thing we talked about the Vikings as far as the line, except injuries. Everybody on that line is just an injury concern waiting to happen. I mean, multiple, some of them got multiple injuries throughout the season. They've already had some people dinged up. Um, Randall Cobb is hurt already. He's a constant injury waiting to happen. Uh, you know, Jimmy Graham isn't young. There could be there could be some problems in the the rest of his supporting cast in the offense. They they did you know you, you want to go to the other side quick. They did make some nice draft picks. 
they grabbed, a, you know, I didn't think they were super aggressive in free agency as far as the defense, but they knew where they needed to address things. They, they grabbed some corners, which was a big problem. That's going to be big for, you know, you could say it's, it's the defense Aaron Rodgers place on the offense, but if the defense is just hot garbage, like it has been, it's, it's going to be a lot of problems as far as the situations they put him in. He doesn't need to constantly be trying to run a track meet out there and score 35 every week. If, uh, if that defense is shit again, that's going to be an issue for him because he isn't younger and the offensive line might not be giving him all the time in the world, which honestly, sometimes I felt like in just in the past few years, watching any Packers games, I felt like they shouldn't blitz him. It was almost worse when he got out of the pocket. If you flushed him, it felt like it was a touchdown every time. Just, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Betting play against breaks, him. The play breaks down. He goes him, oh, bomb on you. Yeah. Very frustrating. He And I think that's the main point is he is just a special talent. If the Packers offensive line isn't a major you know issue with a lot of injuries, the, the receivers stay healthy and they can get some help with the, the running backs in the receiving game. They're going to be a good team. They're going to win 10, 11, 12 games. That's kind of where, where I'd have them pegged that. And I, I don't see, I don't see a situation where his age is going to affect how good he is. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know about this. Suma. Uh, the I, mean, number the, one. I mean, I wish we could think of another example of a, a high level quarterback playing past 34. There's only one, and he's the goat. And there's only one goat. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The uh, Su- Suma, the number one running back on the depth chart in Green Bay is uh, somebody Montgomery. Uh, how in the world are the Packers gonna gonna run an offense if they can't establish the run? <laughs> just pass the ball and first down. It's simple as that. <laughs> Can you go on a little? That was a that was a layup, a setup, uh, sarcastic. If you haven't already, you know, if this is your first ever deep dive episode, um, that was as sarcastic as I can get. Uh, what what is? Uh, can you go on a little diatribe here about the run versus the pass and what you know teams should do tendency wise on first down and kind of marry that into specifically what I think is a weak coaching staff under Mike McCarthy? Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, first of all, passing is significantly more efficient than running the ball. Running the ball is only more efficient than passing on short downs or in the red zone. So I think this is <laughs> these are two key points uh, to understand in, the, in 2018, in my opinion. And um, I found for myself the best indicator for bad offensive play calling is calling passes, uh, calling runs on first and 10 in the first half. When you, when a coach goes 60% run on first and 10 in the first half, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't understand analytics. He doesn't understand math. And over the past six months, um, we have seen a lot of incredible research on the topic. Um, I've also, um, published an article regarding that stuff. And also there were guys like Ben Baldwin, Josh Hermsmeyer, and Robert Sharp, of course, who addressed this topic um, throughout the whole offseason. And there's such a significant difference in success and efficiency from going past, past to going run on first and 10. On first and 10, teams average like, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, like four 
four yards per carry to like seven point something yards per pass. You score, f uh, you, you go f uh, for first downs, I think 9% of the time with a run, but 29% with a pass. So <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous when any coaching staff calls um, runs on first and 10 in the first half. Last season, there were, um, I think, nine teams who called 50% or more passes on first and 10 in the first half. Seven of them made the playoffs, and the other two were the Ravens <laughs> and Kyle Shanahan. Wow. Yeah, so, so there you are seeing that this, this has become the easiest indicator for me to see which coach knows what, what he's doing, and that's going uh, with a high pass rate on first down. Okay, so talking about then coaches that know what they're doing. Uh, last year when Rodgers went down, I did not expect the implosion that ensued when they threw Brett Hundley in there. Uh, Mike McCarthy did not have that kid prepared whatsoever to take snaps in the NFL. They did not craft game, you know, they did not craft uh, any kind of game plans that highlighted his, uh, you know, his good qualities and they put him in disadvantaged situations for a young kid uh, who was expected to try to carry a, a playoff caliber team. Was that a indictment of the coaching staff, especially the offensive coaching staff, or was this just the talent on this roster is not very good outside of Aaron Rodgers? And then secondly, I'll ask you about the defensive coordinator, but just about offense for, for right now. What are your thoughts on this, this coaching staff? I think it was both last year because the Packers lost, I think both tackles, Brian Bulaga and David Bechtieri. I, I don't know how many games both guys missed, but I think at some point, Bert Handley was without both, both starting tackles. And when when you watch Packers game, you didn't have, you didn't have the, the um, observation of, oh, McCarthy is putting him in a uh, position to succeed. He's giving yeah. him a solid game plan. Uh, you understand that they have a plan. And you never saw those things. And I think... McCarthy really shit the bed last year when Rodgers went down and we pretty much saw that Green Bay was all about Aaron Rodgers and not about the coaching staff. So they made some changes. Uh, in particular, they got rid of Dom Capers, who should have been gotten rid of like five years ago. Uh, he's no longer the defensive coordinator. They brought out a guy, you know, uh, Mike Pettin, right? Uh, and um, he's now taking over this defense uh, and... Uh, it's worth noting that they also moved Ted Thompson into, uh, he was the former general manager. They moved him into a senior advisory role and they put his protege in now as the new general manager. So you have new guys making decisions on the roster. McCarthy's still the head coach. Uh, anything to be positive about the, uh, the hopes that uh, on the other side of the ball from Aaron Rodgers, the Packers defense can carry some of the load this year. Oh yeah, absolutely. I am. I'm very high on Mike Bettine and he was the defensive coordinator for four different NFL defenses and his average ranking in past DVOA was 4.4 and his average average ranking in adjusted net yards per pass attempt was seven. So per average, it's a top 10 finish for his passing defenses. And I think you saw what Brian Gutekunst is um going to do. He um, stacked both pa uh, both draft picks into cornerbacks uh, with uh, Dre Alexander and Josh Jackson. And I think um, they're going to need some games. They have a tough schedule to begin. 
But I think over the second half of the season, uh, the Packers defense is going to play vastly improved over 2017. And Mike Pettine is just a guy who knows his stuff. And he, I think he's a major upgrade from Dom Capers. Interesting. Andy, what do you make of the Packers schedule? <sighs> it's it's not the worst. I, I, You know, you go from the Vikings to the Packers, I'd rather have the Packers schedule. Yeah, they don't have to play. Uh, uh, they, they, yeah, they avoid the they avoid the Saints. Uh, yep. They avoid the Eagles. Um, that's two teams that the uh, that the uh, uh, Vikings are going to have their hands full against. You know, um, I think if you if you rate the Packers and Vikings similarly, I think that's got to be a big a big uh, part of your handicapping. There is looking at now the Packers definitely have an advantage in the schedule. Uh, what Suba talked on a little, I would say they have a disadvantage at the coaching staff. I really don't think McCarthy is a, a very good coach. And I mean, obviously it's like you said, they didn't have a, they didn't have much of a plan B if Rogers went down, they did not have him ready at all. That was, uh, that was ugly to watch for most of the second half of the year. Unless you're me, then I enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, they, there's one, there's signed, one. Yeah, go ahead. And they signed Joe Philbin as the new offensive coordinator who is going to be, let me quote it, I would think possible to make Mike McCarthy the best play caller he can possibly be. <laughs> and oh my God. Joe Philbin was the, don't let me lie, coach for the Indianapolis offensive line for the past two years. Oh, no. Was he really? And I know he got fired was, from the Dolphins, but I didn't see where he surfaced. He resurfaced. Oh, he was so awful in, in with the Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that's uh, where he was. He was an O-line coach at the Colts. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Pretty ugly years in Miami, too. Oof, Tom Cable Tom Cable looks at his offensive lines and says, you need to get your shit together, buddy. Um, the, uh, I think... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> I want, uh, the only pedigree for Mike, for Joe Philbin is his uh, 2011 season as the Packers offensive coordinator when Rogers had his magical record season with 45 touchdowns and six interceptions. But since then, he has been absolutely horrible with the with the Dolphins. It was it, it was so depressing to watch that offense and Tannehill getting crushed week in week out behind that offensive line. <laughs> Uh, there was, it wasn't any kind of creative, and I don't really know how how much of an impact Joe Philbin could possibly have on the Packers this year. I think it's just all about Aaron Rodgers and some skill position players. Okay, well the skill position players are all turning over, so it's going to be they're going to have to get through the early part of their schedule uh, against Chicago, Minnesota, Washington, Buffalo, Detroit, San Francisco, heading into their bye. They get six games right there. They should be four and two, five and one. Uh, and even that's even saying kind of incorporating the new players uh, that they have on the roster. Coming out of their bye, though, they have a five-game stretch that is to- that is total pure hell. They oh, go yeah. at at the Rams, then at New England. So either side of the co- coast, coast to coast, uh, in two weeks, they got a sandwich game against Miami at home, and then they go at Seattle, at Minnesota. So back to the West Coast. So, I mean, this is this this five-game stretch is going to be very, very, very challenging for this team. It occurs right in the middle of their season, weeks eight to week twelve. Um, 
Suma, what do you think of these five games? How many how many wins do you think the Packers pick up in this stretch? And is it worth waiting until after they're at Minnesota till week twelve to do any kind of betting on the Packers in terms of futures, Super Bowl futures, or division futures, or even make the playoffs props? Yeah, I think that stretch is going to be brutal. I think when I look at those games, I think Ram at Rams at Patriots split one one. Uh, you got to beat Miami at home, but it's it's <laughs> again it's a it's a bad spot for the Packers because against uh, Seattle on deck. Um, but I think with Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, you can still go three and two on those five games, in my opinion. Okay, and interesting. I don't I don't really think there are going to be a lot of great situations to win Packers future because I don't really see how, even with a even with those tough stretches I don't really know how they could possibly fall below uh, 0.500 or something so that uh, we are going to get real better odds I don't I don't really see it okay interesting even so even if they're if they go three and two there and they're seven and four heading into week 13 uh they may be, you know, there may be a couple of NFC teams that have, have them by like a good two wins in the standings. Um, I'm going to hold off on betting any kind of Packers money until we see how this offense gels. Uh, and uh, if the line stays healthy, as Andy mentioned, uh, and if I get involved, it's going to be after week 12, I think. Let's move down the list. That was, yeah, a, uh, I could have gone on for another half an hour. I know. Well, they're one of the most interesting yeah. teams. They're we're so at, interesting. We're at 52 minutes and with six teams left. Okay, let's keep cranking. I mean, yeah, let's right. keep cranking. We're not, we're not gonna get to the two-hour mark here. Yeah, <laughs> I need I need stronger one chair. <laughs> All right, Detroit Lions. This has been an often forgotten. How are they team. the third? Uh, are they the third? Are yeah, they the they fourth? Are. I'm just, they are the third. I'm, I'm so incepted by Bears takes. I, guess. I know, right? Yeah. I'm seeing Lions at plus seven hundred. I'm seeing Bears at plus eight hundred. Basically, the books think yeah. this is a two-team division with the. Uh, the Packers and the Vikings are going to fight it out, and these other two teams are going to fight for third. Uh, Detroit, no one's talked about this team. I have heard startlingly little, and this is even in light of the fact that they may have may have uh, substantially upgraded their coaching situation. Uh, no longer is human clipboard Jim Caldwell on the sidelines. They brought in <laughs> one of the Bill Belichick uh, disciples in Matt Patricia, uh, who, although he's already had kind of a rocky start, uh, yeah, you can't like the stories you've heard involving Matt Patricia over the last six months. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he seems to have more fire and more energy, and he's bringing a defensive focus to this team that already has a pretty very pretty solid offense uh, and surprisingly strong offensive line. Um, is there is is the world sleeping on the Lions, Suma? On the offense, yes. But not on the defense. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah, I think Darius Slay plus plus ten other guys. Hey, yes. Glo- Glover yes. Quinn's all right. Isn't he? Oh, Glover Quinn. I could get behind that guy. Yeah. 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 They got the highest paid defensive end in the league, and Ziggy Ansa. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, um, they do. I think yeah. instead of those three guys, there isn't anything to like with a defense. Really, nothing. Uh, last year they. Um, Completely lift of turnovers, and 
they had 32 takeaways. They were in, in the same wow. ballpark with the Jaguars and the Ravens on turnovers because their, um, their ex-defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, he was just going, hey, guys, get the ball. Guys, go get the ball. And I think that really um, paid dividends. And you can't really replicate 32 turnovers with this kind of defensive roster. It's impossible. Their defense was especially putrid on the road last year. Oh, man. If you look at some of the, you know, some of the yardage and some of the uh, yeah. uh, points they conceded when they were outside of the uh, Ford field, holy smokes, were they bad last year. Uh, and yeah, so they were a very, very boomer bust defense that all depended on whether or not you could, uh, uh, you know, you could create the turnovers. Uh, does that mean just don't bet the Lions all year because you never really know, Andy? Should we just cross this team off and say, have a great season, guys, and, and not even think about them? No, they have a uh, gosh. You know, we talk about Diggs and Thielen, but I really like the Lions receivers too. Oh, Stafford, yeah. Stafford, yeah, yeah, Galladay. Stafford's quietly underrated every year. He just kind of gets lost in the wash with all the the talk of the other top quarterbacks. He's he's pretty good. If they can keep the turnovers down, they don't have the worst schedule either. And uh, uh, that's definitely you know definitely kind of a dark horse to make the playoffs. It's a bigger number too. You can. Get uh, plus three four hundred Lions to make the playoffs is plus three hundred right now. That's nice. I don't see them making a run at the division per se, but it's kind of tricky. You know, you talk about maybe if if the Vikings and Packers are scuffling and they're both eleven wins, Detroit to make the playoffs with ten wins is that uh, is that a scenario you see? I guess. I guess I would say yes, just because, because they get because, the uh, know, they get ten, the ten AFC. and six probably is about the there'll be some ten, ten and six teams that make it, and there'll be probably a ten and six team that doesn't end up in the playoffs. So if that's I, where I, you put their yeah. ceiling, three to one isn't a bad number. I think that's probably where their ceiling is, and I just say that because they play the AFC East. Um, they get the Patriots actually in a pretty nice situational spot. Uh, Patriots will be mm. on their second second in a row back to back. Uh, road games uh, week three and that's also yeah. right before the Patriots the Patriots have a big game week four uh, although it's escaping me um, and, uh, and, and I guess yeah. a different angle um, five dimes you can get them plus 690 to be a wild card team Interesting. which that that would be a case where you you like them you think they could win 10, 11 games, but you feel like Green Bay or Minnesota will be above them because that could be a victim of your own success there too. You bet them to be a wild card at seven to one and they end up winning the fucking division or something. That would be yeah. wrenching. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't rank them that highly. Like Suma said, there's a lot of holes in that defense, but if Stafford can keep the turnovers down, keep those, uh, their outside receivers, they could, they could have halfway explosive offense get 10 11 wins i i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility i think that they have a kind of a big range as far as their win total in my mind like i, I could absolutely see them having a, a losing record but like i said 10 11 wins isn't uh isn't lunacy okay so they let's talk about wins for a second suma they opened up the uh the market here for detroit wins at seven and a half uh, and that has taken some money onto the over. Over is still seven and a half, but it's up to minus one twenty-five. Um, P 
people think this is an eight and eight team. Are you on on board with that, or are you seeing like seven wins for these guys? Yeah, I've I've nailed the win total with my projection. I have them at seven point five, with the <laughs> ceiling, with the ceiling being nine seven. But I don't really see more than nine wins actually, because the division is so tough and they have a fairly tough schedule. How many division wins do you think they can get? Two or three. Two or three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll te- we'll so we'll temper our. I, th- this has every this has every uh, feel of uh, the kind of team that I back week three uh, to beat the Patriots, and then they get spanked and embarrassed. And everybody talks about how Matt Stafford can't beat teams with a winning record, and uh, and then I don't bet them the whole rest of the season. Um, so um, we'll uh, <laughs> let me chip something in. <laughs> the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford against teams who finished the season with a winning record are 6-52 straight up and aye, 13, aye, aye. 13 to 44 against the spread. That's like almost impossible. That's, that's very hard to do. <laughs> that is that's very not hard from to do. This earth. <laughs> that is incredible. Wow. Okay, so maybe I won't pack them against the Patriots. <laughs> uh, good chance the Patriots finish with, finish with the winning record. I don't want to spoil our AFC East preview, but uh, I think that's a good bet. Um, let's uh, let's move down to Chicago. The uh, the Bears come in uh, as a team that uh, some friends of ours, some people on this podcast, I suspect, uh, think are underrated. Um, the bookmakers, uh, and I guess really everyone kind of, anticipates this being a bottom three team uh in the nfc in general they opened the win total at six and a half uh we've seen the uh the win total take decent amount of money to the over uh six and a half is now minus 130 kind of interesting that the two bottom feeding teams uh in the nfc north have taken over uh over money on their season wins total i'm guessing that's because of their matchups against the AFC East, which are looking increasingly, increasingly like easy wins. Um, let's, uh, let's break down these bears. Uh, Andy, do you subscribe to the Mitch Trubisky plus Matt Nagy equals a rerun of (laughs) equals a rerun of Sean McVay, uh, salvaging the career of Jared Goff. Yeah, let's talk about the coach before those. So Matt Nagy is to <laughs> John Fox as Sean McVay, Sean McVay is, is to, Jeff, to Fisher. Jeff Fisher. Yeah, there's a bit of a theme there. John Fox sucked. John Fox maybe was a good coach at some point, but he maybe it, it almost looked like he was just mailing it in. Like he knew he was either going to quit or get fired. And I mean, they did nothing to put Trubisky in situations where he could succeed. They really just refused to run shotgun with him, which I, I think Suma might be able to tell you that he was pretty good from that at one point in his uh, young <laughs> career. Uh, they just, yeah, they, they didn't use they didn't use their offense the way it should have been used. They really, really, really got conservative, especially if they accidentally found themselves with the lead. Bears games were super weird. <laughs> the weirdest, weirdest thing I probably saw was the the last minute of the first half in the Steelers Bears game where the over under and the spread and the money line everything was just maybe it was just mainly the total but boy that was just a weird situation they actually had a 
probably too many defensive touchdowns for a team as far as on average. Their offense didn't score very much. It was a it was a goofy year. I think bringing in bringing in Nagy's going to be huge. They got. I mean, just what were what were their biggest problems last year? He had no one to throw to, and his line kind of sucked. So they went and addressed that, especially at the receiver position. They drafted Miller. They uh, went and got Allen Robinson. I think again, it's going to be a scheme thing for me. I really want to see what they're doing in in the preseason with Trubisky, especially game three. You know, you don't want to show all your cards, but. If they want to see something positive. I want to see something positive from them. And also, I've already bet them to win the NFC. I like big-ass number, though, right? Yeah, 50 to 1. Yeah, that's a a good lot. I I just want them to get into the playoffs. Just in case we do get a rerun of uh, of Rams 2017. Uh, Suma, was there any coach? Is there any coaching situation that was a more obvious upgrade than John Fox to Matt Nagy? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, Good. <laughs> Did uh, John Fox was he the most egregious of the run on first downers last year? Yes, I've just opened uh, a Twitter window <laughs> from Brown Sharp. <laughs> and here, here are the numbers. Um, the Bears were the most one-heavy team in the NFL on first down in the first half. They called sixty-six percent runs. Oh, and on Lord. those ones, they averaged 3.7 yards per carry, but on passes, they averaged 9.9 yards per play. <laughs> Eat this for a minute. 6.2 yards more per play, but you only call runs. This is, <laughs> I, I thought about what if John Fox did all of this on purpose? Because after the draft, Ryan Pace publicly said that John Fox didn't know a single minute that Pace is going to draft Trubisky. John Fox was just preparing for Mike Lennon. And I think you can't be that stupid. You just can't. So I, a little part of me thinks that John Fox did everything on purpose last year. But Interesting. Because you can't be so freaking bad. He wanted, he wanted out. He was done. Interesting. Yeah. He coached like he was done. Yeah. That's uh, that's yeah. pretty fascinating. Do um. Do you have any thoughts on Mitch Trubisky in general? Did you see anything in the tape of him uh, from 2017 that you're like, this guy has some silver lining? Because and I'm I'm out of the business of kind of calling uh, calling guys busts after one year. I was pretty vocally anti Jared Goff last off season. I think if you go back and listen to our Rams preview, it was probably like, boy, did they screw up drafting Goff? He's never going to be worth the damn. And then McVay rolls in there uh, and makes him look darn competent. Um, is there any hope here for Trubisky to start to emerge as a NFL level quarterback this season? Oh, absolutely. I really liked what I saw. Um, when you look at the stat line, it was yeah, underwhelming. <laughs> To say, I think he had seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. But as Andy already explained, he had nothing to throw to. Um, his running back, uh, John Howard, war- had hands of stone. He couldn't catch anything out of the backfield. But Mitchell Trubisky was still very good. I think he was an accurate passer last year. Um, and especially over the middle of the field. Um, I checked those stats a few a few days ago at sharpfootballstats.com. And... Actually, over the short and the deep middle, Mitch Trubisky ranked top three in completion percentage, yards per attempt, 
and success rate. So he was one of the best passers over the middle. And now you add Anthony Miller in there. You add a coaching staff who is going to scheme guys open. And I think his, his biggest problem was throwing to the outside. And now you have uh, Alan Robinson with a tremendous catch radius uh, who made Black Balls look like a pro bowler in fourth quarters in 2015. Um, you add Taylor Gabriel. You add a lot of one-two personnel with Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen. And I think the combination of everything Mitch Trubisky showed when he was actually allowed to show us, I think it's going to translate pretty well into 2018. And I think it's going to be a pretty good young quarterback by the end of next season. What do you think uh, defines kind of a successful year for the Bears? Um, I, I honestly think they can play and they will play for the playoff for a wildcard spot. But I think a successful season for the Bears is going to be uh, 500. Yeah, I was just looking at that. We talked about Detroit's number. Chicago is plus 1465 to get a wild card. I wow. don't think uh, you, Are know, you, you like them. Yeah, that's uh, it's the biggest number. The books ranked wow. in behind the Giants, Bucks, Cardinals, inexplicable. <laughs> like they should just they wow. should automatically. I think their 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 floor is maybe the fifth worst team in the NFC. Like I put them ahead of the the Cardinals, Bucks, Giants, probably the Skins, and probably the Seahawks right now. Like that that is automatic for me. So I don't, I think that's probably going to get some money for me because it's just too big of a number. Uh, okay. So yeah. I'm, they, they I'm, shouldn't, they shouldn't be ranked as the worst team in the NFC according to the odds. Okay. That's just, so that's the end of that. I mean, that's, I, I'm, that's all silly. About, I'm all about that. Look, I love that look. Uh, and here's one of the reasons why is because I think most of their wins, they're going to get in the first 13 weeks of the season. Uh, I think heading into like the last quarter of the season, the expectation is going to be there that they are going to compete for a wild card. You may even be able to come back on this number at a pretty reasonable odds, right? Like they may be around even money. Uh, if, if things go well after week 13, they may be around even money. The problem is the last four weeks of the season get extraordinarily tough for the bears. They host the Rams. Yeah. You looking at this, they host the Rams, they host the Packers, they go at San Francisco, they go at Minnesota. They have four very, very, very tough ones down the stretch. Uh, I could see a scenario where they're like eight and four or something like that heading into week 14 uh, and manage to drop all four of those games. Um, so I'm 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 if I'm making that bet bears to make the wild card at plus 14, whatever, I'm coming back on them to miss the playoffs probably after week 13. Yeah, I think. Um, well, uh, I've calculated strength of schedule based on my power rating. And I've made a split for the first half of the year, for the first eight weeks. And over the first eight weeks, the Bears are playing the easiest schedule in the entire league, according wow. to the power rating. So I really agree with you. I think they're going to start very fast. They're going to collect the majority of their wins over the first half of the year. And over the past few weeks, I completely agree with you. I think if you take the bet to win uh, to the, for the best to get a wild card, I think you might also have some decent hatching opportunities down the stretch. Yep, I love this. Okay, I think we I think we nailed it. Let's wrap up the NFC North here with uh, a bold prediction. Uh, doesn't have to be about the Bears; it can be about anything. 
Um, Andy, do you want me to go first, or you got something off the top of your head? Why don't you take it while I sit and think of this, even though I knew it was coming? All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My bold prediction is that the uh, I think the Vikings are going to get the number one seed. I think everybody is uh, is underselling the potential for this defense to get even better. Uh, Mike Zimmer, I think, is a bona fide top tier coach in this league. The fact that he was able to recruit a guy like DiFilippo to be his offensive coordinator when they lost uh, Shermer, I think, speaks a lot to uh, how much you know how much momentum, how much mojo the Vikings have, uh, and uh, they got this badass facility. Uh, even if their guys are getting dinged up, um, you know they're going to be in there all, all that they're they're just they're always going to be around the facility watching film, getting treatment. You know this is this is a team that just it feels like it's it's going to come together for this defense, and they're going to be even better than they were last year as they were setting records. Uh, I think you see them repeat thirteen and three and take the number one overall seed. That's my bold prediction for the NFC North. Uh, Suma, you got anything for me? Yeah, my bold prediction is the Vikings are completely going to struggle to make the playoffs at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Uh, okay, okay, go ahead. I think if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy and, well, okay, that applies to every team in the league that the quarterback needs to stay healthy. I think the Packers are going to win the division. Um, Aaron Rodgers with Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Devonte Adams and maybe um, EQ from Germany. Um, I think they're going to be a high-powered offense. The defense is going to get significantly better over the second half of the year. I think they're going to win the division, and the Bears and the Vikings are going to battle for the for the second spot and the wildcard spot in late December. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Vikings didn't make the playoffs. Interesting. So you think Week 17, Chicago at Minnesota – the winner so of that the winner of that goes a, in as the sixth yeah. sixth seed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because the likelihood that we're yet the likelihood that there's two wild card teams coming from the north is extremely small. Right? Like I gotta think that the Saints and Falcons both make the playoffs relatively comfortably. Yeah. And that means there's really just one more wild card spot available for the likes of Dallas, uh Washington. Uh, San Francisco, Chicago, Green Bay, or Minnesota. Yeah. So whoever doesn't win the North. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. Andy, what do you got for me? Aaron Rodgers will not be the first or second leading passer in the division. Whoa. I'm going to put uh, yardage wise. We're going to go, Whoa. we won't go like passer rating. I just think uh, I, I'm, I'm pegging a big year for Stafford yards-wise, and I think the ba- it's not like the Bears are going to blow people out. I think Trubisky is going to be throwing a lot. I'm going to put him down for like a 4,500-yard season. Oh, I want, I want to go extra bold on that one because you guys took all the Vikings stakes. No, that, that's especially good because maybe Green Bay like has the number one seed locked up in Aaron Rodgers six weeks, six weeks, 16 and week 17. Like, that's not crazy. Uh he could definitely sit, you know, he's definitely not, may not play a full game against the Jets in Detroit week 16 and 17 if everything goes well. Um, okay, good stuff, guys. Let's take a quick break and then we'll do the. What did you pick, Suma? I forgot already. AFC a- South. AFC South. Okay. And we're back. 
Uh, AFC South time. This one. Uh, Andy, what would you say? Wide open? Wide open. This might be question mark city without getting, you know, too deep and stealing all the takes. Like, oh, this is this is the one that really if I had to like pick, just pick a winner. Don't don't look at value, don't look at odds. You just you just get uh, rewarded for picking the winner. At various I, yeah, very, at various, very, very tough. Like at uh, various points this offseason, I've been on all three of these uh contenders uh to win the South. Shit, like, I've been on all I've been on all four. You you've talked yourself in and out of all four? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well I can't okay, so just for bold predictions sake at the end of this, rather or unless you guys unless you already have something in mind that's really wild, let's just have who oh, wins just the, the South. The, the, yeah, the value. The yeah. Um okay, so let's start at the bottom. Uh Indianapolis Colts. They are plus 600. Uh, that number is drastically uh, shorter than it was at the Open because at the Open, we weren't sure if we were ever going to see Andrew Luck again. Uh, and now, if you follow uh, if you follow Beat Writer Twitter, uh, you are probably sick of hearing amazingly positive stories about how great Andrew Luck looks. Uh, he's apparently going 16 for uh, 20 in every single practice that, uh, you know, practice... Uh, reps he's getting um, developing, you know, chemistry picked up right where it left off with uh, T Y Hilton. Uh, you know, he's making the young guys on the team look great. Uh, no interceptions, all oh, touchdowns. Best shape of his life. Best down shape 10 of pounds. his life. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> catching everything. Yeah. So the, the positive stories are just out of control. Um, Suma, are you buying into the hype at this point that Andrew Luck is back? He might be back, but that doesn't change anything at all. That's my, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just the, my biggest point here. <laughs> yeah. Is he, is he a substantial upgrade over Jacoby Brissett? I think he is an upgrade, but it's tough to predict whether he's going to be a substantial upgrade, but because I think he didn't play football for 500 days or something like this. And I think Jacoby Brissett, um, he was he played decent in my opinion, and I think he had the most broken tackles in the pocket last year because the pocket was collapsing all the time. And I don't really know whether Andrew Luck is going to be a substantial upgrade early on. Maybe throughout the year he might be light light years ahead of Jacoby Brissett, but for the beginning of the year or for the first half of the year, it's pretty tough to predict that in my opinion. How are how many off seasons are the Colts away from being a contender for real? At least two. Yeah, I mean this 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 roster at the end of last season was so depleted of talent. The Ryan Grigson stink uh, was still ever present in this locker room. Um, I partially think some of the uncertainty about whether Luck was going to be back was sort of born out of you know did Luck want to play for this team? Uh, and get him, you know, put his put his body at risk any longer. Um, obviously, Luck has seen enough uh, improvement in the roster to um, to make to give it a go this year. Um, the season wins total opened at uh, what six or so, and it's up to seven. Uh, and you actually have to pay minus one twenty nine to bet over seven wins for the Colts. Uh, is that? a ridiculous number, Andy, or do they have seven or eight wins in them? Oh, this is my, like I said, question mark division. 
you know, not just to answer, answering to answer. I don't know. Like this is of, of the whole question. I'm going to call it the question mark division. That's fun for me. This is the one where I just have no answers on. They, it is a huge upgrade. Like I, maybe, maybe I'm not disagreeing hundred percent with Suma, but I think it is an enormous upgrade. People forget how good he is, but will the chemistry be there? Will the rust be there immediately? Even if he's rusty half the season, and he's back in form. It's just not a not a situation where he can, you know, he might not be able to come back from playing shitty for the first half of the year because he's rusty. They the and then I mean just the 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 cast around him, like is that good enough for for a team to win games? It's it's kind of a it's kind of where Suma said where it might be a couple of years before they uh, they can start talking about the the Colts as a contender again. I guess. Andrew Luck might be very good, but we've seen very good players on teams without the supporting cast, and that's not a that's not a team that wins seven eight games or makes a playoff run, even in a weak AFC. So this is a super big wait and see team for me. I really do like maybe a few spots in their schedule where if Luck is playing good, it's going to be such a media frenzy. I love betting against media frenzies. Oh, that seems call. to work out. Like, yeah. if Andrew Luck has some amazing game and just you know three hundred and fifty yards, three bombs, uh, you know a long touchdown to to one of his receivers, just like a really nice game against maybe a, a lower ranked defense that people aren't people aren't talking like, well, that's a shitty defense he just did that against. And then you know you look for a spot maybe a week or two down the road where he plays a top tier defense. You can you can definitely use that media hype against him because it's going to be a story. They're they're definitely going to be in the media on the media's lips a lot the the Andrew Luck comeback season him and Rodgers all year interesting maybe it's against uh the Houston Texans week 4 heading into uh week 5 against the New England Patriots yeah. <laughs> where they have a rookie head coach on Thursday night football <laughs> yeah there, a, there's a, there's nice. a couple spots here where you can bounce back and forth between fading and uh Fading and backing the Colts are going to be a weird team to figure out, but I am I'm excited to see Andrew Luck back. I like him as a player. He seems like a nice guy, and I always feel bad when somebody has to miss that much football. Okay, they they won't they won't garner probably any money from me win total wise one way or the other, and I I just don't think six to one's quite big enough for me to take them to win the division. The with you know, the other three teams all having probably some pretty legitimate claims to it. Superior rosters for sure. Um, yes. Okay. Let's uh, Suma. let me ask you an important question about wins when it comes to the Colts. Uh, we saw there was no worse team at uh, finishing a game last year in the NFL. They were utterly putrid in the second half week in, week out. To me, you have to, that is like the most pure indictment you can can make of a coaching staff. Uh, I don't know whether it was literally like the you know the talent wasn't great and the guys that they did have like literally didn't want to fight for the coach, so they mailed it in the second half of every one of these games. But you know this team was just flat out awful uh, in second half uh, last year. Is can we expect some kind of an upgrade here? This was the Colts' second choice of head coach uh, in Frank Reich. Uh, we all, you know, I don't know if everyone forgot this. I certainly wasn't at the front of my mind. Uh, you know, Josh McDaniels left them at the altar uh, 
after agreeing to be their head coach and hiring people on the staff, he bounced, uh, went back to New England. Uh, they get their second choice in Frank Reich. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if he was really ready to take over as a head coach of a, of a professional football team. Uh, the staff he's assembled there, all kinds of question marks. Uh, how much, uh, you know, how much do you weigh this into evaluating their season wins uh, when you look down the card, Suma? I think Frank Reich is probably a huge upgrade over um, Chuck Pagano. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I've a big counterpoint against those fourth quarter collapses or not winning games in the fourth quarter. Because last year they had four wins. Cleveland Browns by three points. San Francisco 49ers, three, three points in overtime against Brian Hoyer. Houston Texans by six points against Tom Savage. Tom Savage. So let's say they oh, and sorry and they had another win in week 17 against the Texans. So let's just say they get just a different scheduling table or dates. Yeah, let's say they face Jimmy Garoppolo and Deshaun Watson twice. They go uh, one fifteen. Yes. They yes, go one fifteen, and yes, no one do. could complain. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and yeah. then they would have lost the first overall pick because they lost against uh, because they won against the Browns. <laughs> so yeah. So oh my yeah. gosh, you're right. Oh, I get the gosh. point that there have been a lot of fourth quarter collapses, but they could have been a one fifteen team very very easily. So and yeah. I think um, deservedly, yes, deservedly, deservedly yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think one point with Andrew Luck is. I think Andrew Luck has tremendous upside over Jacoby Brissett, but Jacoby Brissett doesn't turn the ball over. Andrew Luck had four of his five seasons, he had more than uh, 12 or more interceptions. So I think the upside with Luck is definitely there. But last season, they also played it very con conservatively with Jacoby Brissett, and he, he, he didn't turn the ball over. He was excellent at evading pressure in the pocket, broke, uh, breaking tackles, and not turning the ball over. So I think on the on the one side, you have um, a much better quarterback, but you also have uh, much more upside in terms of variance. So I think Frank Reich is absolutely the, the perfect hire for the Colts, but with this offensive line, with that Uh, supporting cast overall with Andrew Luck coming off an injury and his interception history, I think it's just it would be the best case to wait another year for them. Okay, so if Frank Reich and Andrew Luck combined are worth, say, four wins, uh, that means we're talking about a one in 15 team going to five and 11. Yeah, Something like that? <laughs> yeah. Another point, too, and I don't have the stats in front of them, but they were historically bad in the second half. Yes, the halftime yeah. adjustments were – it's almost like they did make really good halftime adjustments for the other team somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, let me, let me ask you. Not how bad they were. Is yeah, this a like, good is, is this a good team? Because there's, there's going to be teams that win one, two, three, four games this season. And in a division that's competitive where you have Houston, Jacksonville, and Tennessee uh, all with relatively stacked rosters, uh, does 
does it make sense to take a swing on an alternative under here and take, say, under five and a half for Indianapolis at plus 258? They're giving us plus 258 that Indy, Indy effectively replicates last season, uh, including improvement with the coach and the quarterback. Unbelievable. Anyone yeah, with me? Uh, plus plus two fifty eight under I'm, under I'm, five and a half. I could I could I would bet six. Under I would six. be fine. I would be okay. fine with some six on them. Like I said, I, I wouldn't surprise me if they had a nice little season. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I could see them sneaking out six, seven wins and um a last place schedule. They're they're probably like Shuma said a year or two away from doing anything spectacular but or even marginal i guess at this point they're pretty bad but we're I'm this, completely... this is, it's like it's like yesterday or the other the other day when we recorded and we had the the broncos like oh the broncos have a shot even being the last place and then we went to the other the other division like yeah, the buccaneers do not it's the same thing the bears have a shot the colts they don't they're not uh they're not a playoff team they're not a eight nine win team there's just not a not a way they improve that much with uh as few changes as they made okay well let's move on and talk about then a playoff team potentially in the tennessee titans yeah, there's they, a couple yeah so the tennessee titans made the playoffs last year uh many 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 people who evaluate this league me included would say that that was an undeserved playoff appearance um, I thought that, uh, they got, uh, extremely lucky with a lot of the breaks, uh, in terms of when they played teams, who was hurt. Uh, they finished nine and seven, which tied them with Buffalo, Baltimore, and the chargers. And because of tie breaks, they were able to work their way into the fifth spot where they drew Andy Reid and the chiefs in the playoffs. Marcus Mariota still, he had no red zone offense to speak of. Uh, the entire season, uh, he resorted to throwing a pass to himself uh, to get the touchdown that they <laughs> needed in the playoffs to bring them back into contention in that uh, wild card game against the Chiefs. Um, so, what as a reward? What do they do? They fire the coach. Uh, they made it to they made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. They did not look particularly competitive against the Patriots, uh, and uh, they can malarkey. Um, credit to them for having the balls to do that. Uh, because a lot of times you see, you know, coaches that ought to get fired get a second chance um, just because they win a playoff game. Um, but so, you know, they bring in Mike Vrabel. Uh, weirdly, Mike Vrabel, who had who led the uh, the Houston Texans to like one of the worst defenses in the league from a metric standpoint last year. Uh, they bring in Mike Vrabel as the head coach. Uh, he seems to have some energy and some excitement. Um, he. uh was responsible for recruiting uh, a relatively intriguing offensive coordinator in Matt LaFleur. Uh, I'm curious about Suma. Uh, is Matt LaFleur, who was a quarterback's coach, or he was offensive coordinator under Sean McVay last year, helped, uh, helped really kind of develop Jared Goff. Is it unreasonable to expect that uh, the 38-year-old LaFleur uh, paired with uh, a still-developing Mariota uh, that they seem that they can find uh, a little bit of an offensive groove this season in Tennessee. No, I I think so as well. Um, but I think it will also take some time. Lafleur had a 
awesome resume. He, he um, coached under Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay last year. I think um, they're going to play some version of the West Coast offense um, as a Shanahan disciple. A lot of play action, a um, lot of possibly two running back sets. Um, I think the Titans offense is going to look like a real passing offense next year. But I still have some question marks because A, he's a first-year play caller and first-year play callers um, rarely do well, I found out. Um, many play callers like um, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, um, Bruce Arians, Todd Haley, a lot of, a lot of those guys ranked uh, 23rd or worse in past DVOA in their first uh, play calling year. Wow. Um, the wow. receiving group, it's it's tough to predict a big leap here. Corey Davis was underwhelming. Um, he, I've heard he looked sharp in training camp as well as Tavon Taylor, but they don't really have a stacked receiving corp. Um, the tight end, I'm missing the name, is going to be 34 years old. Um, so I think they're going to be better than last year, efficiency-wise. They ranked 20, uh, 22nd in my efficiency ranking. But I wouldn't consider them a top 10 offense. I think they're going to be an average offense. They're going to struggle a bit situational play calling-wise. But I think long-term, Matt LeFleur and Marcus Mariota are going to be a very intriguing uh, intriguing duo. Interesting. Um, Andy, do you remember uh, how frustrating it was last year that DeMarco Murray was getting the belt, you know, the, the lion's share of the carries? Uh, and then when Derrick Henry got his hands on the ball, he just absolutely... Host uh, it. Like, every time. Mis- I, I don't <laughs> think he got a carry where he didn't score a touchdown. Uh, do seen that way. I do you think we're that do you have uh um, expectations of this uh unit as a whole with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis now? Uh and uh you know, Marcus Mariota, uh kid can ball. Uh I'm a little I guess I'm I guess I'm a little the jury's still out with Mariota for me, I have to say. So um yeah, Mar- Mariota he was hurt. Like I yeah. put him and Derek Carr in the same kind of in the same bucket last year. They were injured. They're playing through injured injuries. The worst thing that could have happened to Marcus Mariota was probably for the team to qualify for the playoffs or even be in it at the end. Like the, he just, cause then he, I don't know if it was more of his decision or if the team, you know, coerced him. I don't want to blame the team for that. It made it sound bad, but <laughs> if, if they would have been out of playoff contention, he wouldn't have played the last few games. He would have absolutely, just sat and and got himself better. He had the knee injury. He had, uh, I'm trying to think of the other one. He actually hurt himself again during the playoff game. He hurt his quad. Yeah. And they weren't, you know, they weren't a team that was going to make a playoff run or a a Super Bowl run. So I think just, yeah, by making the playoffs, it was probably worse for him than anything. Uh, They were a playoff team. You know, they got just shelled by, by the Patriots there that, uh, it's not, you know, it's not a, it's not a team I like to make a deep playoff run this year. Even though the, you know, again, we're going to say this constantly. The AFC is softer. They're only three to one to win the division. I think I, 
I rank them third to win the division as far as how I feel about them. The offense should be improved with a healthy Mariota using the right running back. And, you know, they, they locked up their tackle. I like that. I, I have some questions on the defense. And Let's go right there. Let's go I right guess, there. I guess, yeah, the, the, there, there are some the, question marks there. Okay, because you look down this depth chart, you recognize a lot of names. Uh, mm-hmm. Benny Logan from KC uh, is now nose tackle. Jarrell Casey is a legit uh, star in this league. Um, I recognize Derek Morgan, their outside linebacker. Wesley Woodyard used to play in Denver. I recognize him. Brian Arakpo from Washington is is playing linebacker for them. They got the the uh, the 2015 New England uh, secondary and Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler at the corners. They can move Adoree Jackson to be the uh, nickel corner. He's he's talented. Um, their safeties are probably an issue. I mean, Kevin Byard's fine, uh, but Kendrick Lewis, I had no idea who that is. Summa, is this defense, and when we look up at the end of the year at the metrics, um, I have no idea what to expect in terms of this Tennessee defense. Are they going to be top 16, top half of the league, or is this squarely in the middle type of defense? Um Efficiency-wise, they were slightly below average last year, but they played the third easiest schedule on defense. So their numbers are a little bit um, inflated from last year. Um, I don't really agree with everyone saying, oh, they added Malcolm Butler. They are so much better this year. Um, I think Malcolm Butler is overrated. I don't really think he played well last year. He ranked, I think, bottom 10 out of... 89 qualifying cornerbacks in yards per pass allowed. Um, and Kevin Bayard can be an absolute stud, no doubt about it. But he had eight interceptions, uh, yeah, eight interceptions last year, five in two games against Joe Flacco and Deshaun Kaiser. So I think he might be a tad overrated. Then they lost um, Jonathan Cyprian. They added Kenny Vaccaro to play strong safety. Kenny Vaccaro isn't good, isn't good at all. He can cover guys. Um, so I don't really agree that this secondary is going to be so good. I think Pro Football Focus had them ranked ninth, and I completely disagree with it. I would rank them average at best. And and I think a lot of last year was skewed towards a fairly easy schedule. They got shredded by the Steelers. They allowed like 50 points against Deshaun Watson. And I think those were the real games where we saw the real Titans defense. And they added uh, Dean Pease from Ravens, the defensive coordinator, which is one of the best. But I don't think that the personnel is going to add up to be some kind of a top 15 defense. They play in a very easy schedule again, but I think they are, their defense is still a little bit overrated in my opinion. Mm, okay. So they opened the win total at seven and a half for the Titans, which is not very respectful given that they're pretty much the same roster that went to the playoffs at nine and seven last year. Um, it got bit up quickly. Uh, it's sitting now at eight uh, to at minus 110. Um, and to be honest, Tennessee kind of feels like an eight and eight team. So I'm probably staying away from this one. Are we all kind of on the same page with this? Yeah. They do just feel like a middling team. In fact, the whole division does in my mind. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. So, yeah, I mean, there's not really – I can't I can't tease out any advantages in their schedule really. Uh, there's no spots where I absolutely love them uh, or absolutely hate them. Um, there's one so, spot. Which one do you there's like? 
the Ravens are on their third consecutive road game going into Tennessee, I think. Ah, great call. I think that that's a good great one. call. And yeah. Yeah, getting ahead of ourselves here. The Jacksonville Jaguars are favored. Spoiler alert. Sorry if you were waiting to hear that. They are the largest odds for a favored division winner. It's not by a ton, but I mean, this is technically the most wide open division because they are the favorite and still at plus 175. Hmm. So I we'll mean, get to it, them. It, it, yeah, it is we'll bunched up there. I mean, three plus 328 for the Titans. The other two are right around two to one. Okay. Well, let's talk about the other one that's around two to one in Houston Texans. Uh, amazingly, uh, after going four and 12 last year, uh, they opened the wins total for the Texans, uh, relatively high. Uh, so basically getting Deshaun Watson back for a full season, presumably often ACL, they went from a four and 12 team to opening nine and a half as the win total for the Texans. And so far that has taken, uh, a fair amount of money to the under as it sits now at nine, uh, with the under juiced at about minus one Oh five. Um, I will be the first person to admit what Deshaun Watson did on the field in the handful of weeks. We see saw him play was truly spectacular. Uh, that said it was way, 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 way too small of a sample against defenses that were relatively questionable to see him sitting in like top five MVP status right now in the MVP market uh, is am I overreacting to this uh, this or is that a proper uh, a proper assessment of how good Deshaun Watson is expected to be this year Simba? yeah I think it's the odds are kind of overrated I agree it was an amazing stretch I I think I watched the Texan Seahawks game twice this offseason just because it was like a pawn. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you Germans, man, you yeah, Germans that, have some. You you have some. Yeah, yeah, that's saying something. I've seen German porn. Shit's rough. <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy uh, game, that's for sure. So uh, that was that was a very fun game. Four, four wins. Uh, I, I forgot, actually, that the Texans didn't win that game. Nope. 41-38 to the Seahawks. Wow. That, and that was, that was, was the last. Was a magician in that game. That yeah. was the last of uh, that was the last of Deshaun Watson's uh, starts because he got hurt then before yeah. they played the Colts. So in the tiny little window we saw Deshaun Watson, he went three and three. In what universe would you open the wins total at nine and a half for this team? Yeah, he, it's... he beat he beat the Bengals, he beat the Titans, and he beat the Browns last year. He's really getting ten wins, and I guess you know it's not it's not fair to completely uh, gloss over what the Texans are going to get back on defense. I guess JJ Watt is the expect you know he's the presumptive favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year, which I find kind of ridiculous. Uh, and uh, they're going to get back Whitney Merciless, uh, Jadavian Clowney's coming off of a knee injury. Uh, and should be relatively healthy. Um, but uh, all that said, they are going to be relying an awful lot on the ability to generate a pass rush to stop the pass because the backside of this defense still sucks. Uh, they were 32nd overall last year because they couldn't generate a pass rush because of all the injuries. Uh, even with that, I still feel like this is a middle-of-the-road defense at best. 
Uh, we know now that, you know, when it, you know, defense is all about stopping the pass. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm nervous about this crew. I feel like the Texans overall uh, are fairly overrated. Uh, and um, I really am not sure. Uh, I understand the way that these guys are priced in a lot of these markets. Um, do you have a different take on these guys, Suma? Uh, no, I have their win prediction at 8.5 wins, and but I, I could clearly see them as a wildcard team. Uh, no complaints here. But I think the Texans, they're going to reverse next year. I think they're going to win more games by their defense and less by their offense because I think the defense is going to be better. I have them slightly above average. Um, I think adding Aaron Corbin to the slot was a very good move. Um, Tyron Matthew can play a lot of positions on the backfield and I think Deshaun Watson you, you already mentioned it it's, it's go going to come down, it's going to regress he had 19 touchdowns, 8 interceptions 7.1 net yards per pass attempt uh, he was on pace for 47 touchdowns and 20 interceptions so he was a high variance passer and here is probably a hot take for a lot of people he wasn't accurate, he wasn't an accurate passer at all um, a lot of his passes spread like a shotgun down the field. And um, I think it was more about the scheme by Bill O'Brien, excellent wide receiver play by guys like DeAndre Hopkins and just Watkins using his legs, doing a lot of play action, uh, just throwing in into a certain direction. And that pretty, pretty much worked out well. I think next year coming off uh, the second ACL injury, um, behind maybe the worst offensive line in the league. I bottom think the five. Offense, clearly bottom five. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, I think he's going to come down. Um, last year, he threw a touchdown on almost every 10th pass attempt. Oh, 9.6% of his passes were touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers' career average is, I think, 6.4%. So, so you're saying you'll, you think he'll keep that up? <laughs> no, I, I think no, you're saying, you're saying, no, I, I get you. He's 60% better than Aaron Rodgers. That sounds yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm <laughs> digging these stats right now. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a small sample size and that's a wild ass number and that's going to come back to earth. And I think we're all on the same page as far as the hype is a little bit. Yeah. A little Absolutely. bit uh, wild right now. Like the, the the Sean Watson hype train is officially left the station, ripping down the tracks. I'm I'm on that I'm on that same page. I don't right, yeah, uh, right, yeah. I don't hate them. I don't I don't think it's like oh they don't have a chance to win the division. This division is wide open. His so his ACL yeah, was not, his, yeah. It's not let's, like let's, he's gonna. It's not like he's gonna come back and and start you know slinging the numbers like he had in that Seahawks yeah. game every week. Let's let's highlight some of the red flags for the Texans. Uh, second ACL red flag, ACL later in the season red flag, ACL for a mobile quarterback playing behind a, a sorry offensive line red flag, double uh, red flag, double red flag. Uh, an inflated touchdown, you know, inflated statistics based on you know kind of a small sample size is a red flag. Um, I completely agree with you that I don't I don't I wouldn't say he's like an inaccurate passer. But clearly passing to a guy like Hopkins, whose catch radius is like, you know, uh, you know, infinity, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to make an average uh, mediocre accuracy look like like good accuracy. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, you know, these are all, you know, 
reasons to be wary about getting, you know, too much, putting too much stock in the Texans until we see how they, you know, see how they perform uh, against some of their tougher competition this year. Um, yeah. Same with defense. I see red flags in the defense too. So I don't know. Go ahead, Suma. Um, yeah. What I want to say is, um, I don't want to say he's a bad quarterback. I think uh, just that on those pocket passes, on those straight dropbacks, he was, in my opinion, was pretty shitty. And I think it, uh, you, you can be a very explosive offense with a guy who isn't highly accurate because his overall skill set made up for everything else. And um, they completely run that skill set down the road and was phenomenal. But I don't think, like you said, it's not very sustainable. And we are probably going to see less touchdowns, uh, less explosive uh, completions down the field, maybe one or two interceptions more. Um, but, and here's my my green flag for the Texan season. Here's <laughs> their, here, here are their schedule numbers. First, my power rating overall. Second easiest. Offense, wow. fourth easiest. Defense, wow. second easiest. Pineapple season win total markets, third easiest. <laughs> so Jeez. I think there are a lot of red flags, but I think they can overcome those red flags with such a freaking easy schedule. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Texans in the playoffs next year, maybe with a 9-7 record and uh, a home game in the wildcard round. Interesting. They, they're, they're minus money to make the playoffs. It's minus 120. And I think that's just indicative of uh, the AFC right now. They have them in order. Patriots, Steelers are obviously very big numbers. And then you go Chargers, Jaguars. The Texans are projected to be the fifth best team in the in the AFC. Andy, do you just think... Just uh, out of the Chiefs and Ravens. So, I mean, the, they're as of right now, like, the, the way the books have everything lined, the Texans should make the playoffs. Like it would be, it would be underperforming according to the market if they did not. Yeah, I agreed with you. Uh, Andy is, do you agree that JJ Watt should be the leader in the market for defensive player of the year? No, there's too many. He's a big name, but oh, uh, he's coming off, coming off so many different injuries. Do he's going to get hurt. See, do you think we even see 16 games from him? I, I would I would set the over under at like twelve and a half. Yeah, he, he's he's he just he, he's so good. He's a great generational talent, but he he's injury prone. And man, there's just so many big stud names: Donald Bosa. Oh God, I, I just love some of these DNs. It, it it's been a DN five years in a row now. Mac Barr. I mean, you could go on and on. Edge rusher. It's going to be an edge rusher. So Interesting. That, that's something we can dig into. Maybe that's a proper Palooza prop this year. I love it. Uh, I don't think he should be at the top of the market. I agree with you. We're going to see like 13 or 14 games out of him. And um, yeah, I'm prepared for uh, I'm prepared for a little bit of a rough go out of the gate here at New England, at Tennessee, weeks one and two, uh, before Houston sort of finds their groove and gets into the easy part of their schedule. Um, and uh, let's talk about the, the last remaining team. Your AFC runner-ups, Jacksonville Jaguars, the um, maybe the best pure passer in uh, the NFL, Blake Bortles, uh, quarterbacking <laughs> this team. <laughs> easy decision, easy, easy decision to bring him back in here to uh, to steer the ship of uh, that is so full of talent. This 
roster. This offensive line and defense is so full of blue chip players. It's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, and you pair that with Blake Bortles. Eh. Uh, I think they're rightfully the favorites to win this division. Their season win total right now sits at nine and a half. People were all about the under uh, on the Jags uh, season win total. So you got to put a minus 129 juice down to get under nine and a half. Um, I am... I'm not sure I'm ready to fade this team. Uh, I think, kind of like I thought about the Vikings and how amazing their defense is, uh, I think we're talking about a pretty impressive unit. Uh, Again, of course, we haven't seen Jalen Ramsey yet in camp. Uh, I would surely like to see him get in and get some reps. uh, And um, But, you know, top top of all, all three levels, you have... Uh, outstanding young playmakers on this defense. Uh, and, uh, you know what they say, defense travels. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, I feel like we caught a little bit of, um, we caught a little bit of the ceiling for Blake Bortles, uh, in the playoffs last year. The fact that he got, uh, an ugly win against the bills and then an impressive offensive showing against the Steelers. Uh, you know, we're talking about, Two play two playoff win Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles has a has a has a better win percentage in the playoffs than almost any other quarterback in the in the league right now. Uh, he is two and one. Uh, so you know, <laughs> there's a little bit of confidence with Blake. I'm being a little tongue in cheek about uh, kind of um, you know what I think he can uh, what he yeah, can bring to ta- the table. You talk ceiling. His head was sticking out of the ceiling. Like that, <laughs> that was beyond what anybody. Even late in the season, you know, I, I don't like to be wrong. I love being right. But at the end of the year, I'm like, I, I might be wrong. This guy is looking pretty decent. Like, uh, especially, boy, if they could play the Steelers every week. Oh, they, get something, a, they get the Steelers in a good spot that, this year, too. Yeah, they look, yeah. just look fantastic against them. They get uh, they get the Steelers actually in a tough spot this year because the Steelers are coming off extra rest on yep. Thursday Night Football. Um they, I don't know. Is it is it out of is it out of this world to think the Jags can make it back to the AFC Championship, Suma? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mm. I think they are my favorites to win the AFC South. And I have seen a lot of people talking about potential regression for the Jaguars, but I don't see where that should come from. Um, Actually, their Pythagorean win expectation last year was 11.8. So, so they still underperformed last season. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and my biggest point for the Jaguars this year is their offensive schedule. I have their offensive schedule as the easiest in the league. And I think combined with a top-notch defense, it's just going to be enough for... Nathaniel Hackett and Blake Bortles and an improved offensive line to easily uh, drive into the playoffs again. They have a really good coaching staff and it's completely intact. Almost every other contender from last year took, you know, had some attrition. You know, people got sniped, people got uh, picked off. Uh, I don't know that any other coaching staff uh, stayed intact like the Jags. Uh, Doug Marone, I think, is decent. Uh, he's a good head coach. He's a good kind of, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a great personality. I loved his interview on part of my take. That was fantastic. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, crafted not, he didn't, he didn't, 
do something completely novel and innovative a la Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. But he certainly made the most of his talent, right? I mean, he absolutely got the best out of the guys he was given. Uh, And uh, you bring back Fournette and you put, uh, you put, you you added uh, some investment into an already good offensive line. Um, I think Andrew Norrell, uh, the, uh, the left guard that they sniped from Carolina, uh, he is better than people realize. Um, he didn't give com- up a single hit last year, a single hit on top of the fact that he was effectively covering for a sorry ass Matt Khalil on a lot of plays. Yeah. He was basically yeah. doing double duty. He was doing his job and half of Matt Khalil's job. Uh, you put him next to a guy like Cam Robinson. Uh, and I think you are talking about you know, a kind of a Cowboys level left side of the line, uh, with, uh, with the kind of talent that you have there. Uh, and you know, that, that's going to take you a good, you know, that's going to take you to, to, uh, a, to a good amount of wins in a, a weak AFC. Uh, and, um, yeah. yeah, the fact that they play such an easy schedule offensively, especially is, uh, is noteworthy. And, um, I think people are sleeping on the Jags a little bit, and I think nine and yeah. a half is too low. I think they get, I think they get to ten, uh, even having a little bit of a, uh, a, you know, even if Blake Bortles shows absolutely no um, improvement, I still think ten wins for the Jags is is completely retainable. So it'll be interesting. Suma, what do you think that happens with the Jags Giants Week One? Jags are going at the Giants, and I've seen the Giants take a good amount of money on this game. Yeah, um, I look at the line this morning, and I think it moved a bit down towards three. Yeah. I think Betfair showed three this morning with plus 100 for the Giants. Is it correct? Yeah. Yeah. Surprising. Yeah. Surprising. Yeah, yeah it's a very uh, interesting game because uh, the Jaguars – They were very good at home, but they weren't a very good road team last year. Um, okay, they beat Pitts, they, they beat the hell out of Pittsburgh, but <laughs> I think, um, I think they didn't really play or wouldn't have covered a lot of games as a three point away favorite last year. I think it would have been two games or something, and Go back to 2016, Blake Balls on the road is absolutely brutal. Um, and I, I don't think it's we should say, oh, the Jaguars are going to go to the uh, 4-12 Giants and they just win there. I think it's going to be a very competitive, uh, competitive game because I don't think the Jaguars... They they just go just don't go on the road and beat the hell out of the Giants. I, I'm just not seeing it. I haven't uh, I don't have a, a a very lean on that game yet. But I think the 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 line it looks a little bit too high for me at this point. Interesting. Wow, that's good stuff, man. Um, okay, Andy, have we talked to you into a Jags future yet? <laughs> Right, is it repeatable? Yeah, maybe. Like, well, who's the who's the other division in the AFC? The AFC West was won by. Why am I the, spacing that out right the, now? The Chiefs. The Chiefs won, and it's going to be Chiefs. Chargers. Chargers. Yes. Uh, so you're, well, Chargers no, I'm just likely. saying, like a first place schedule gives you the Chiefs with uh, question mark 
quarterback and uh, oh, okay. yeah. the Steelers yeah. that you beat the shit out of on the regular. <laughs> so it's not like, this, you know, you say first place schedule, but in the AFC, it's a little different. They were, the, yeah, it's not the worst schedule in the world. And like you said, we it's kind of the same conversation we had with the Vikings. Questionable quarterback, all world defense, except in a much easier conference. I don't see a missing the playoffs. I think... I think I might have a play on them to win the division just because it is a, a bigger number for a favorite. And I, I don't see a bunch of regression from the defense. I think the only way they get nipped is uh, some bad luck with injuries. Yeah. They would have to be, it would have to be a cluster injury too, because they have depth uh, in general. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe that's my hot take. One question. They, they, can, they can win that division without Blake Bortles. <laughs> they should have drafted Lamar Jackson. God damn it. That would have been my question, Wayne. <laughs> When you sit with a 29th pick and Lamar Jackson's on the board, how can you take a defensive tackle? I don't know how what they were thinking. Can you Why do did this? they do this? That was the that was that was one of a ton of absolute head scratching draft choices. The dra first round of the draft was so bizarre. Uh, and that was David Caldwell's first major misstep as a general manager, in my opinion. Um Yeah, I think, I mean, maybe, I mean, honestly, like for all we know, like the confidence thing with Bortles is a big deal and they looked at each other like, should we take Jackson? We feel good about him. And then they had a conversation like, well, will that do to Bortles, you know, and they decided <laughs> not to at the last minute or something. I, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty incredible. It was, it was pretty uh Uh, it was pretty head-scratching. So I would have liked to see Lamar Jackson on this team, but oh well, Blake Bortles it is. Uh, hopefully he improves. Hopefully we see the confident guy that uh, uh, led his team to 45 points in Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And uh, they were what? They were a recovered fumble away from beating the Patriots and going to the Super Bowl, really. I mean, that game was, that game, as a Patriots fan, that game was closer than anyone is willing to admit. Uh, it that I almost think that the Jags should have won that game. They uh, absolutely should have won. They, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they made the, they brought in the Colts uh, coaching staff for their halftime adjustments. <laughs> that was such a shitty second half. I know, plan. right? Like, oh, you're the best team of the last decade. Let's get real conservative and hope they're not good. I think Nathaniel Hawk had They, they should have won that game. They should have been in the Super yeah. Bowl. I think Nathaniel Hackett probably cost himself a look, a legit, a serious look as, at a head coaching position based on the second half uh, game plan he called there. Run um, first, run yeah. first down. Yeah, <laughs> it was bad, man. Um, and it's, you know, and to throw a little little final fuel on the fire of the of you got to establish the run. Uh, the Jags had the run established. It did not help them put away that game. In no circumstances did it help them put away that game when they needed to convert late they they didn't have the juice um and they gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter to lose 24 20 to the new england patriots and miss out on their first ever super bowl appearance um bold predictions wrap this thing up this was an amazing podcast i'm so so fired up that you guys uh brought it today um you got uh you got anything for the afc south that you want to lay out there for the people suma i think the it's, it's not really a hot prediction it's it's a lame prediction but my hot <laughs> prediction is um i'm what i forgot um when we talked about the calls i think 
Under seven for the Colts Winter is one of my strongest leans across the board. I have them as a four-win team. Oh, now and we're talking. I think Where were you when I was talking about under five and a half at plus 230? I, wanted, oh, I didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, go ahead, go ahead. it's on a different go continent. Ahead. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, here's one tidbit. The starting secondary for the Colts in week one is going to be 23.4 years old. And their second best guy, Quincy Wilson, has looked absolutely lost in practice camp. <laughs> so I don't I, I see I see arguably the worst defense in the league. Uh, I don't think the offense has the quality to really go back to the old luck ways because um from 2012 to 2015 they went 19-2 or 72 within their division. So the whole division was absolutely trash. And now you have three um teams that could play for the playoffs. It's a completely different situation. I think my, my hot prediction is the Colts aren't going to win six games this year. I, I, I see them as a four-win team. And I think the Jaguars are going to win the division. Uh, there's so much, too much talent on the defensive side. Easier schedule on offense. Blake Bowles doesn't need to do much. And I think the Texans are going to sneak into the wildcard. Maybe Ooh, sneak stuff, into man. the wildcard. Good I stuff. think they are, it's going to come down really to week 16, week 17. Um, there are also some really good teams in the um, AFC North who could have two wildcard spots this year. But I think the Jaguars are going to win it and the Texans might sneak into the wildcard round. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Andy, what's your hot take on the uh, wild, you know, your, your bold prediction for the AFC South? The Jaguars go 12-4, and four, win the division, get the one or two seed, get a bye, and are destroyed in the second week of the playoffs by Lamar Jackson. <laughs> wow. Do not win. Wow. Wow. That is bold. I like that. I like that. Man. Oof. Um, well, you had to hot take. Yeah, it's going to be tough to talk about. It's going to be tough to stop that, man. Um, the uh, the Colts get the number one overall pick next year, and under five under five and a half wins uh, at plus two fifty eight cashes uh, by week fourteen. Um, that's uh, I'm I'm on the same page with uh, Suma on, on the Colts being uh, being uh, handicapped by the the one of the worst rosters, if not the worst roster in the NFL. It's really tough for me to find a worse roster than the Colts. They're the, they're the 32nd worst, yeah, worst yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So easy, easy enough for them to, uh, you know, they, you, you take a couple injuries, you know, you, you figure a lot of those guys are young and learning. Even if, even if they show improvements, I think we're still talking about Colts getting the number one overall pick next year. Um, okay. Great pod guys. Let's wrap Nick this up. Also. <laughs> yes, that would be a great pick for them. It really would. Yeah, That's a that is a hell of a fit. Uh, I, now I kind of want that to happen. Um, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's let's call it a pod. This was absolutely spectacular. We are two for two. Andy, high five from from across the country. We are two for two on just outstanding uh, divisional previews. Uh, we have two more coming next week. Uh, this is the best time of year if you are into. Uh, NFL prep podcasts because we are producing radio podcast gold. 
you guys, best of luck this season. Suma, thank you again for all your time. This was absolutely incredible. Check him out at Suma810 and um, look at, uh, go buy his book. It's going to be worth it. I'm going to buy yeah, it. Yeah, tomorrow it's evening. Be worth it. Yep. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, right, guys. guys. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Go get some sleep. It is, it is now the middle of the night in Deutschland. <laughs> oh, yeah. we need to Almost keep, one o'clock. Keeping, I could hear multiple women shuffling around in the background there. I don't know who y'all got over there. <laughs> but yeah, go get some sleep. Super. I appreciate, appreciate the time. Absolutely. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Yeah. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.